take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and we are now in Season 2, Chapter 5. This season is all about entertainment with balloons. Uh, we've uh, already discussed uh, several aspects of the entertainment, like balloon shows and like even stuff that are unordinary, like balloon music and balloon TV. Today, our guest is Ralph Dewey. Now, in case you're not familiar with Ralph Dewey, then uh, maybe you're not familiar with the veteran of veterans, uh, the balloon historian. Go check it up in the show notes with the links for Wikipedia and for, you know, Ralph's website. Ralph was a arranging a balloon excellence award for many, many years. And his contribution to the balloon world is just phenomenal. Uh, before we go into the interview with Ralph, I want to uh, give a few announcements. So I had the privilege of going and seeing uh, Guy Sheffer in his shows and to do basically research before bringing Guy Sheffer into this show to the season two about how to entertain with balloons and who is better fit, fit for this season than uh, Guy Sheffer. His balloon shows in uh, general are awesome, but uh, in the WBC, it was just phenomenal to see how he works with uh, balloons to entertain. I had the privilege of watching a couple of shows by Guy and to discuss with him about the things that I want him to share with you guys through the podcast. So uh, uh, keep your fingers crossed. This will come out really soon in this season. And I also am working with Sam Kremens about sharing his ideas about balloon shows. So really, uh, the next few chapters will include some awesome content and awesome ideas. And I'm really looking forward to it. With that said, let's move right into the interview with Ralph Dewey. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and today I'm so proud about today's interviewee. We have a veteran, but when I say a veteran, usually I'm just uh, exaggerating, because today we have the balloon historian, we have the veteran of veterans, Ralph Dewey from Houston, Texas. Hello, Ralph. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm so happy and thrilled to finally meet with you uh, here uh, through Skype. And um, we uh, almost met each other in Israel when you were visiting a few weeks ago, but uh, you, it didn't uh, uh, work out. And I'm so happy that now I get the opportunity to share uh, with you some, some of your time and to share your ideas with uh, the Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Uh, we have people um, who are really enthusiastic about learning about balloon business and also about the balloon art and uh, who, who fits better uh, to teach us and to educate us other than you, Ralph. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. So I, I want to start uh, by uh, uh, asking you, like uh, I know from you, you started with balloons quite some time ago. Can you tell us um, how you got into balloons and when? Yes, it was uh, 1975. Um, 
I was uh, introduced to balloons by uh, the idea that I wanted to encourage children to ride the church buses to church. And I thought, well, if they had some incentive, like a balloon animal, then that would be uh, uh, a good way to do that. So I went down to a magic store, magic shop, and uh, <clears throat> asked them about the balloons and some books and things. And I got, uh, I think it was uh, Jim Davis's uh, One Balloon Zoo. And uh, I conquered that. And before long, I was uh, making improvements to uh, some of the designs. And, uh, of course, I was using that to give uh, balloon animals out to the kids on the church buses. Of course, one of the first things I realized is that you can't let the kids take the balloons inside the church because they're just going to play with it and be disruptive. So I had to learn to uh, let them keep it on the bus seat. And then when they returned for the trip home, then they'd have their balloon animal. But uh, it wasn't long uh, I started making uh, new designs and so forth and gathering more balloon books, mostly by Roger Siegel and some of the other uh, uh, old-timers. And uh, I showed uh, some of my new designs to the owner of that magic shop. And he says, hey, you ought to write a book about this. And I thought, me? <laughs> I've never written a book. I, I, what could, yeah, I don't know. But I thought about it, and uh, I talked to him some more, and he says, yeah, I, I distribute magic and, uh, and things like balloon books to other magic shops around Houston. And if I, uh, you know, if you had a book, I could probably, you know, sell 500 of them. I thought, a little calculation, you know, hmm, that sounds like uh, maybe something I ought to try to do. But I, I didn't want to promise I could do it until I knew I could and I also knew how to do a little bit of cartooning, so it helped me make the illustrations. So finally, I did accomplish it, and uh, he did buy balloons from me. And over the a few years, it was several thousand, you know, several thousand books that he he would move, and I kept writing more and more. And uh, I sold them myself, and I sold them to him, and then I started selling to other magic shops and balloon distributors. So. That's how I got started doing that, and uh, so so much, uh, so many, uh, so many balloon artists must have been uh, influenced uh, by that book because uh, really, uh, e even these days within the internet, uh, people don't read as many books as they should. That's and true. We're talking about a different time. Was it like? Uh, problematic to find balloons to to buy them how did you manage your like your palette of colors how many balloons did you have and so on can you share with us you talking about when I, when I first got started yeah like in the early days there was just some just the basic colors and uh, maybe 10 colors 10 11 colors something like that uh, they had different sizes they had not figured out in those days what was the what was going to be the normal size of the balloons. The 260 won out, but they had 238s. They had 240s, 250s, uh, 280s. And uh, so, you know, as the market um, used them up and uh, finally it settled on being 260s was the standard balloon animal. They also had what they call uh, uh, an apple balloon. Now, the apple balloon 
was really, uh, I think, a 312, which means three inches in diameter, about 12 inches long when fully inflated. And the very end of it, the nipple end, was dipped in a uh, dark color. I think it was a dark green. So that would be the stem of the apple. So you'd make it just like you would using a 321, a bee body. But it only had a little bump. It didn't have a stem. And when the the 321 bee body came out with a colored tip, uh, that made a better apple than the apple bloom. And uh, so it, things like that kind of evolved. The 160s were, some of them were 130s, you know, and then uh, 160. Uh, the big name was Ashland Toy Time Balloons. That was the big one. Uh, they had some problems in manufacturing because all of them were hand-dipped. They didn't have automated machines. And then when some other companies started using automated machines, their cost of production went way down. And finally, they went under. Uh, they just couldn't uh, couldn't keep up with it because they were still trying to hand-dip them. And when I say hand-dip, I don't mean one at a time. They would have a rack of them. Maybe, I don't know, 14 by 16 inches square with a bunch of them on it. They dip in unison, of course. But still, it wasn't, it wasn't efficient as an automated machine. And so some of the different brand names uh, fell by the wayside. The thing that they had in the old days was that the balloon rubber was more elastic uh, in, in that you could uh, distort it and kind of get a shape. But today, I have not found that they have that same type of elasticity or flexibility like in the old days. Now, it's better quality now. They last longer. Uh, They're less susceptible to sunlight and ozone. So they're better in a lot of ways. But in the old days, you could kind of distort, make lumps and shapes just by manipulating the balloon, squeezing, and unlike, you can you can today a little, but not as much. So things, things have really changed. Yeah. During those many years where you basically adjusted your creations according to the available palette and the available colors and the available sizes, can you remember, like, that you increased the amount of balloons that you use with uh, all of the palette that is available, or... Did you use usually just the, those 10 or 20 colors that were uh, the popular ones? Well, in, in, what the idea was when I got started back in 75 was try to make the balloon out of one, I mean, animal out of one balloon. That was the, that was the idea and uh, the goal for most twisters. So if you could, I made a uh, peg leg pirate out of one balloon. Of course, you know, that's one of those balloons that you can't just make for the uh, crowds of kids because it takes a long time. But the whole idea was to do that. And my eyes were opened one time when, a, when the guy said, Hey, look at these photographs of somebody making Disney characters like Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse. And these were about, uh, two th- feet tall out of maybe a dozen different balloons. And that was one of those kind of things like, well, that kind of breaks the mold of making one balloon out of one, I mean, one balloon animal out of one balloon 
and uh, it doesn't cost you but just a few cents. But when you make a big multiple thing, well, that might be 50 cents <laughs> or something. And But it was a kind of a way of thinking that when I saw those photographs, I said, hey, that's the way to go because there's only so much creativity you can do with one balloon. But if you throw in different colors, different shapes. And so whenever I'm twisting balloons now, I have the 160s. I have the 260s. I have the heart balloons. I have the geos, the B bodies. And uh, and sometimes I use a few other uh, balloons, but th those, you know, give you more selection. And if you're a creative person, you thrive on being able to use it in different ways and coming up with some neat looks and uh, effects. If anybody's ever been to a balloon convention, like the World Balloon Convention or even the Millennium Jam or, or anything like that, and see the creativity of the decorators. That's that. That's phenomenal. I can remember uh, being at the World Balloon Convention, and there was a geisha girl, and they had those eye techniques, and a very decorated. And whenever I tried to take a picture of it, it locked onto it like it was a, a human face. You know how nice. it does automatically. Yeah. So it'll get the red out of the eyes and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, that is so amazing that now they can make stuff so realistic it fools the cameras. <laughs> nice. During those years, you you've mainly did restaurant work or line twisting? or What, what type of entertainment uh, were you uh, using balloons to do? Well, I've, I've done very few uh, birthday parties. Uh, I have done them, but I kind of stayed away from those because some of them are, are pretty much chaos. <laughs> They're just, uh, I, like, I like to, if I'm entertaining, I, I want to do it in a, in a controlled environment on stage or some specific place for it. Uh, even when I did birthday parties, what I would do is a bunch of balloon tricks or funny ideas and do it to the crowd still like an audience uh, rather than just crank them out. That, to me, that, that gets pretty boring in no time just to, you know, you want a dog, okay, you want a, you know, you want a pistol, you want butterfly, you know, that kind of thing. I, I'm not saying I don't enjoy doing that, but it, it doesn't take long to get tiresome for me. I'd rather do more creative things. And with the entertainment, you don't have a kid kicking you in the legs. There's nothing saying, I want a balloon. I want a balloon. It's more of a controlled thing. But uh, some of the shows I've done, um, one time at the Millennium Jam, I had a scene where I played the Elvis song, Are You Lonesome Tonight? You know, and I'm sitting on a couch. Now, this is a, a couch a regular couch and a coffee table and so forth. But the lamp was made out of balloons. The wastebasket was made out of balloons. A flower pot with some flowers coming out, all made with balloons. So I, I said, you know, I snapped my fingers like I had gotten an idea. And then so I started changing all that stuff around and putting it together, and it became a balloon woman. So I had uh, some balloon loops uninflated that I could still slip on my shoes so I could walk around and the music changed to uh, Hernando's hideaway you know all that kind of stuff and uh, so I danced around with her and then I did a dip you know that's where you lean her over backwards well I had arranged it so that I could pinch the balloon with my thumbnail and my fingernail 
and it popped the neck balloon and her head fell off. So <laughs> it was the the creativity of making a person out of just props, dancing with her, and then at the very end, I pop and her head fell off, you know, as a surprise. So that was just one idea that uh, I did during that show time. Nice. I can imagine it, and it must be very funny, uh, especially for kids, when uh, the head falls off uh, <laughs> mistakenly. Do you also have all kinds of special bits of business that you would do in a line work situation in order to do the balloon in a way that will also entertain more the kids and entertain you as well? Well, there, there are some things that, that I would do. For example, if I made a duck for, for some, some child, and then I would say, would you like to see my imitation of a duck? And then I would just duck my head down real quick, you know, and then, they, then the, that's the joke. I ducked my head, so my, that's my imitation of a duck. And uh, usually I, to entertain the, the kids, I would, if a joke came to mind, depending on what I was making, uh, then I would tell that little joke. So that, that's mostly uh, what you can do because typically you don't have uh, the time to, uh, to entertain each kid because the line's getting longer and longer. And if parents are there, they're, you know, they're, there's a feeling of hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. So I, I don't enjoy the line twisting as much as I do just doing entertainment or uh, skits or, uh, you know, presentations, I guess you, you call them. Tell us another presentation, if you, if you may. Okay. Another time at the Millennium Jam, I put together uh, some music, and what I used was a uh, laundry container that is like a spring. It's a giant spring. It's collapsible. And I would uh, put all the balloons in there that I needed and hook some extras along the side. I would make a little loop of balloons that goes around maybe one inch wide around it, and then I could just pull it off if I needed that balloon. Uh, most of it I'd like to have it already made, but you know balloons can, per can pop. They can burst. So I had backup balloons on the crucial parts of it, the important parts. And uh, I started off with uh, juggling three 260s that were formed into loops. And uh, I had a little bit of circus music going like that. And then I, the, the music would change to thunder and lightning bolts. And the song, uh, listen to the rhythm of the falling rain. Da, 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 da. So then I would pretend like, oh, it's going to rain. So I would put those loops together uh, into kind of a, a design that looks like an umbrella and add a uh, 260 for the stem. And then the music would change and you'd have, uh, see, what was that called? The morning uh, song or something. In other words, sunlight has come out. It quit raining. And so uh, then I changed that umbrella to be a flower for a short time. Okay, then uh, things would change again, and I would pull out the head and torso and the legs of a ballerina and change that that was uh, to the skirt of a ballerina. And then you'd have, uh, what was it, the Nutcracker where it had the, uh, March of the Flutes or something song, and I would twirl the the uh, 
the ballerina around. So it was a, it was a thing of, of changing from one thing to another, and it was all done fairly quickly. Uh, let me give you a little insight. When I made the uh, umbrella, the flower, the skirt thing initially, uh, it's what I call an interwoven flower design. I don't know what other people call it, but anyway, so they, they kind of cross around, cross around, and they and uh, when I whenever I was doing this, I thought, well, this will be easy to do. But they had the room dark. They had a disco lights, the the bars of lights flashing and things going on, and I couldn't keep track of how the thing was supposed to work. Now I'm doing this in front of a room full of balloon twisters, so they knew what I was trying to make. But luckily, I'd made one already and had it off stage. So finally, I realized this is not going to work, and they recognized it. So I just tossed it aside, ran back, got another one, and hopefully they thought, well, that's just part of the act. But really, it was a rescue balloon I had had set up. So uh, anyway, that one uh, that one worked out well too because you. In, but the problem with music, you have to be at that point when the music gets there. So, right. But if you practice, you know, you, you can you can make it uh, turn into some magic. You also use balloons for for basically gospel entertainment, I would call right. it. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about that? How does how does that work? And if you can share us a few of your ideas of how you basically connect the balloons and the routines into uh, gospel messages. OK, the. Now, sometimes what I would do with, with uh, the gospel stuff, I would make it balloons, magic, and chalk talks. Now, chalk talks are cartoon-style drawings. They used to be popular back in 1930 or 40, before television you know, came out. And uh, basically, you're drawing cartoon things, um, and it's one picture. You make a few changes, and maybe you turn it upside down, and it becomes something else. And yeah. so I would do that. Uh, one, uh, one of them that comes to mind is I would draw a picture of uh, like a priest, uh, kind of a priest, and uh, make a few changes and turn it upside down, and it became a church with a steeple, that kind of thing. And so there's always a little patter that goes with each one. Um, there's uh, one in uh, for the balloons. Uh, I would do the uh, armor of God, which it talks about putting on the breastplate, you know, the helmet of salvation, the sword and the sh- shoes, you know. The, so I would dress a kid up that way as we talk about each one of those things. So uh, that, that was the kid that ended up getting to have that as a gift because he helped me with the, with the program. I would do uh, typically uh, uh, three or four chalk talks, maybe three or four magic tricks, Uh, some of those might be where I'd have a strip of paper that says Bible on there and talk about how Hitler wanted to destroy all the Bibles, you know, and stuff. And, and I would actually tear it up and then open it up again as restored. So, uh, you know, that kind of a thing has uh, I would pick simple magic. I'm not going to do any cut and restored <laughs> type thing because I'd be too involved to try to, to do But uh, that, that's what I would do with those. And that was mostly uh, what I have done as far as entertainment and things. And uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been uh, it's good for me and I give glory to God for it. Did, did you also uh, connect the balloons to the gospel in some way? Yes. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, I would. Uh, uh, well, just one that comes to mind is I made a marionette puppet, and you know it has a the control sticks at the top, and I use one sixties coming down, and I could actually articulate the the legs to make it walk a little bit. And uh, I, and I would ask him, okay, well, who controls your, who pulls your strings? In other words, uh, does the devil, you know, control you, or do you let God? And then what I would do is turn the control stick up, and is actually a shape of a cross. And you didn't notice that until I turned it, where you could see that. And so hopefully God controls you. You know, is what. So most of those are very simple concepts. I don't try to get in real deep. Philo- I mean, uh, uh, concepts that you know the kids couldn't understand. Keep it simple. And usually you do uh, this kind of uh, gospel uh, show with the with the magic tricks and the balloons and the messages. You would do that uh, in church on on a Sunday. Um, sometimes, yes. Uh, mostly it would be in children's church. That would be the younger kids. Uh, sometimes, like the Cub Scouts would have me come in and do entertainment. And, and what I would tell them is, okay, I have a certain fee that I charge, but if I can share the gospel, then I would do it for nothing if, I, if it's within, you know, Houston area. So <clears throat> that's how I, I normally have done that. And, and that's probably what I, I do the most nowadays is that kind of a, a program for Mother's Day Out programs at churches and, and things like that. Interesting. Um, and you also wrote a book about the history of balloons. Right. Uh-huh. Um, is that, by the way, the same book you mentioned before with the different shapes? Yes, it was uh, Balloon Twister Origins. As far as I know, it's the only book that really covers the balloon twisting and how it evolved, how it, um, you know... It, changed to what it is today the different shapes and types and stuff and the people that were instrumental in in uh, uh, cr- coming up with creative ideas because the original people had no one really to show them the ideas they really had to use their creativity yeah it's it's uh it only covers the from the time I got started in 1975 until pretty much the current time. I mean, excuse me, before uh, 1975. So the book covers something like uh, from the 40s yeah, up 40s. until uh, 75, which is uh, quite quite some time ago and I think fascinating for these days uh, balloon artists to kind of take a look back to the 50s and 40s mm-hmm. and understand and 60s and so on and understand what was available for, for balloon artists and what was twisting all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those days, they would call those uh, balloon tricks or magic because nobody had, when they first started doing that, I think Henry Marr was probably the very first one, uh, they had never even dreamed that you could do anything with balloons like that, you know, put them together and, uh, and make something that was recognizable out of it. And uh, so it, it was always an instant hit. With, uh, with magicians especially. Then the clowns, of course, uh, got into it, and I've done some clowning as well and uh, used that with, with the clowning. So if people want to check up uh, your book, uh, do you have a place where they can yes. go and uh, get that? So You can uh, go online to 
www.deweybloons.com and uh, it'll show you uh, just go through the pages there and it has has information about that book and the cost and so forth awesome and uh, we will put a link uh, on uh, the balloonartistpodcast.com uh, show notes uh, so that it will be easier to follow up and uh, go to to the link uh, Ralph, uh, do, you, do you still do balloon these days? Do you go to conventions? Um, yes, but barely. I was scheduled to go to a convention uh, earlier this year, and uh, I got sick and had to cancel out. So, you know, when you get get to be 71, almost 72, you know, body parts seem to fall off and things happen. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and uh, you do have an award uh, after your name? Oh, okay. The yeah, the Balloon Excellence Award. I I yeah. have uh, d- decided to discontinue that because I'm no longer going to very many conventions, and so I'm not able to see the the people and and evaluate them. And uh, so yeah, I decided it was time to to quit doing that. Not that it didn't serve a good purpose, but uh, if I'm not going and seeing and able to keep up with who's doing what. It's not uh, no longer going to be a fair representation of who who should deserve those awards. Yeah. Any special tips or ideas that you want to share with balloon artists these days, with balloon twisters, from your vast experience of uh, entertaining so many kids, so many people throughout the, the, those years? Any special tip that you want to give or request from from our audience? Well, I guess one thing is uh, I kind of mentioned this a little bit that you need to be prepared in case a balloon breaks and it's important to your uh, your program. So I would have backup balloons or uh, ones that I could get to the right shape and color and, and blow it up and, and fill in uh, because you don't want your program to kind of just lag to be get slowed down and, you know, uh, it's important to keep... Uh, if you're entertaining, you have to keep entertaining. And so I guess that'd be one thing. One, one thing, uh, I mentioned Roger Siegel, that I'm, I'm still contacting him, and he's sharing some ideas back and forth with me. He uh, is still creating new ideas. And uh, I think that's one of the things that Blunaris needs to be able to do, not just copy what's out there, but develop some creativity and, and make it your own that's unique. Yeah, and uh, amen to that, if I may say, amen to that, <laughs> uh, because really, when we are when we are challenging ourselves to be original and to invent stuff, that's uh, when the magic happens. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let me, uh, if if you don't mind, I'll, I'll share another uh, balloon yeah, stage please. idea. There, there's, uh, I, I've seen some entertainers make kind of a large bird out of uh, 350 balloons and stuff. And I've done the same thing, but I try to add a little bit something to it. Uh, I would take two of them and twist them together uh, with just about a, a three or four inch bubble on the ends. And I was then I would secretly put some quarters. That'd be some you know, coins, maybe a half a shekel or two, <laughs> and uh, in the bottom and say, "Look, a lunar lander." A lunar lander, and I toss it up like a rocket ship, and because it's weighted on the bottom, it would land on its feet, or the tail end of it, you know. And they say, "Oh, good," you know. And then 
uh, I would take another one, a 350, and make a figure eight and slip it in between and then pick it up. And now it's an airplane, and I would kind of fly it around a little bit. Okay. And then uh, uh, the next thing is, is a little sneaky thing. Beforehand, I would take a white balloon, a round balloon, five inch, and a black one. Now, I would make this, uh, this different uh, lunar lander and everything all out of black. Okay. And then yep. I would inflate just the white one till about uh, three and a half inches, something like that, and tie it off. And then inflate the other black balloon um, to about four inches something like that, and tie it off. Well, when you look at it, all you can see is the black balloon. Okay. When I switch from the airplane, and then I put another 350, uh, the shape of a swan's neck, the head and neck, and I, I, uh, I go ahead and put that round black balloon inside, and then I will attach the end of the neck to the middle of the wings. And then tuck it in and make it so it looked like a black swan. And I said, well, this is not just an ordinary swan. This one, and I reach underneath and pop just the black balloon, a round balloon. And that, that pops and leaves me a white balloon that I can show as the egg. Because they never saw any white, they said, wow, where'd that come from? And so then I go ahead and make a, kind of a big bird type of thing and actually uh, articulate the legs um, by adding long, tall legs, kind of like an ostrich type of thing. So you basically start with a five-inch white inside the five-inch black? Right. Uh-huh. I just poke but it in the, there and then inflate the yeah. white one, tie it off. Uh, it's got to be smaller. And then the other one back up to about four, four and a half inches like I that. See. And, and so all and you see... And then it's easier to pop the, the outer right. balloon. Right. Now, you got to be careful to make sure that you're not pinching both of them. And the way I usually do it is with my finger, uh, thumb and first finger, where the t the fingernails touch. It's a pinch point. Yeah. And, uh, and then that way, uh, but I try to make sure I, I'm, I'm not getting the white balloon because that destroys the whole effect of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I like those kinds of surprises. And, uh, of course, that makes a, a fun, entertaining uh, type of thing. Cool. You also uh, told me about an idea about a, a bee and how to make it uh, make a oh. very interesting sound. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us that story? Okay. The uh, what I'll do is get uh, basically a hex nut, a machine hex nut, and uh, about six millimeter is a. You can make it a little bigger, a little smaller, but six is about the optimum. And uh, if you drop it in the bee body, the 321, before you blow it up. Then you can go ahead and say you're going to make a bumblebee, uh, inflate it, and then you twist off, you know, the tail end with the, the point, and that's, that's where you would add a 260 wings. And uh, instead of drawing uh, the stripes on the thing, I'll just do kind of some uh, Zorro, I call it, swishes with a, with a black marker. And if I pick it up, by the sort of by the neck and hold it vertical the and do a circular motion sometimes i have to kind of throw uh, go down a little bit so it bounces and gets up it'll actually start 
rotating inside the, the bee body. And uh, it'll make that buzzing noise like a bumblebee. Of course, I decorated it with a, a, a angry face. And, and I, I would say, well, this is my angry bee. And then I make the noise and they look, where is that coming from? And then I say, the reason I call it my angry bee is because he's got the wrong bee attitude, you know, from the, from the Bible. And uh, so anyway, that, that's always a fun one. And I, sometimes I do uh, a UFO with the same concept and uh, a geo and a round balloon. And in the round balloon, I put the hex nut and I can kind of hold it by the top of the UFO and it'll go round and round inside and make sound just like a UFO is about to land, you know, as it slows down. So that's one of the good ideas I like using. And, and the hex nuts are pretty cheap, too. Yeah. And you say the hex nut is six millimeter. Is that like the width of the hex nut? They're, uh, they're actually called number 832. And uh, we call them over here uh, machine screw nut number 832 which is equivalent to the six millimeter. And I'm not, I guess it's the, uh, mostly the shaft inside. And uh, so I always carry a bunch of them with me. <laughs> so okay. get in there and make it work. But uh, yeah, give it a try. Now, <clears throat> there is a little bit of a worry that the, when the balloon bursts, and they will sometimes, that the nut will go flying out. But I've never had anybody report back to me that there's ever been a problem like, you know, hitting someone in the eye and putting an eye out or anything. But uh, yeah. uh, it is a concern. But in my years of experience using it and teaching it, nobody's come back and said, man, was that a killer? <laughs> I did three kids. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, you know, if you're worried about using it, don't use it. Use something else. Yeah, exactly. Thank you again, Ralph Dewey, for your time. Uh, we will put a link on the show notes for... Uh, where people can find your book. In behalf of uh, the, the listener of the show, I'd like to thank you, Ralph, for all of your contribution throughout the years, not just with the recording the history of balloons, which is uh, a huge, huge act towards uh, humanity and towards us, because now we have uh, the ability to learn and to see how twisting began. And also... During the years, you've been very involved with supporting the balloon art and helping it evolve. And your name is the hero of heroes of mine was uh, the name that came up again and again when I was talking with uh, people that were interviewed to the show. So I take, I take my hat off and on behalf of the Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, I thank you for your time today with us and for your education and ideas. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on your podcast, and thank you. I'm glad to meet you, and uh, I'm always glad to see balloon artists, you know, increase their abilities, their creativity, and so forth. So, uh, uh, God bless you, and we'll see you yeah, down the road. Amen to that as well. Okay. So, thanks again, and see you soon, Ralph Dewey. See you later then. Bye-bye. Yes. Isn't Ralph Dewey such a sweet man? And you can actually hear his passion and his, his love for balloons and the fact that he just knows how to entertain. He has so many ideas, like so those ideas for specific routines and how he uses music and how he uses the hex nut idea. So, so many things that you can take. I hope you've enjoyed the interview with Ralph Dewey. I know that 
It's a very busy times for many of us now in the summer with uh, school shows and summer camps. I wish you all will drive safely to your gigs. I'm not sleeping so much lately because I'm working on a version for a balloon stock app, uh, which will include all the balloons that I could find, like Betalatex and foil balloons from everyone, Anagram, Qualtex. Really, uh, like so many balloons are being added to the balloon stock app and it seems like something which might be trivial for you, but it's actually a lot of manual work, a lot of help that I'm getting from uh, really talented people that are balloon artists that are just uh, just awesome people that uh, care about the balloon world and care about the industry and they help so much to make this app better so Mark I'm talking about you Mark Fakert the marvelous Mark your contribution to the balloon stock app is just phenomenal and people will feel it people will see the app is smoother and has all the missing items and a lot of cool stuff so stay tuned to that it will take some more time before it's ready for launch and of course you will know uh, more about it soon and also i'm keeping a few surprises as well so with that said that was chapter five of season two of the balloon artist podcast balloon artist podcast nation see you soon Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, this is Chapter 5, Season 2. The tip section of today will be short and sweet. My tip for you guys is, no matter what you do now, stop listening to this podcast now and call your wife or call your husband or call a balloon artist friend of yours and ask them, how is your day going? How can I help you make it better? And you know you're going to be so happy you did this. So let's always remember there are people around our lives that need us, that love us, and that we need to remember to show them love back. If you liked this tip today, if it made any difference in your life, please let me know in the balloonartistpodcast.com or in the Facebook group. See you guys next week.